Today, John Paul Stevens, the U.S. Supreme Court Justice, announced his retirement following months of speculation. There's also been speculation about who President Barack Obama would choose to fill Stevens' seat. I'm Stephanie Francis-Ward, a legal affairs writer at the ABA Journal, and today we're asking SCOTUS watchers about the likely and unlikely nominees to replace Stevens, who was appointed to the court in 1975 by President Gerald Ford. David Latt of AboveTheLaw.com, as well as Underneath Their Robes, you own your love of judicial gossip, and you've revolutionized how we share it online. Who do you think the president will nominate to replace Stevens? Hmm, uh, I would. Uh, I would probably guess either uh, Diane Wood or Elena Kagan. Um, that's. Uh, I mean, it's it's ter- not terribly shocking because those are two of the names that are most circulated on the various short lists going around. Any unlikely nominees or surprises? Potential surprises. Oh, it, sorry? Any uh, potential surprises or unlikely nominees? Who are the dark horse candidates? Well, uh, Cass Sunstein, perhaps. Um, uh, perha- uh, also, perhaps someone with a more of a political background, like uh, Jennifer Granholm um, or Secretary Napolitano. Um, although I feel like uh, people always talk about nominating politicians to the court, but uh, I mean, it's like eating vegetables. Everyone talks about it, but nobody actually does it. Um, so I suspect that it will probably be either Judge Wood of the Seventh Circuit in Chicago or uh, the current Solicitor General, Elena Kagan. Okay. It also could be Judge uh, Merrick Garland of the D.C. Circuit. Those seem to be the three names that are, are reportedly on uh, the administration's list. And I would tend to put stock in the list because the administ- this administration seems to be very much about telegraphing its intentions and floating trial balloons. I don't think they're trying to mislead us. All right. Um, Eugene Volokh of UCLA Law School and the Volokh Conspiracy. Who do you see as nominees to replace Stevens? Well, uh, exactly the same people that David uh, uh, suggested for probably the same reasons that he suggested. I don't think either of us has a pipeline to the uh, to the uh, in inner sanctums of the Obama administration. We're just repeating conventional wisdom, and in the process, I suppose, making it even more conventional, though not necessarily wise. <laughs> right. So, Eugene, who would you hope that the president nominates for the seat? Well, I would hope that he would nominate a conservative Republican, or or better yet, a libertarian Republican. I would hope he'd nominate my former boss, Judge, no, Chief Judge Alex Kaczynski. Uh, I'd second that. Uh, uh, but, of course, he won't. So I suppose there are, uh, uh, there are two ways of answering that question. One is, among those who... Um, uh, President Obama uh, might want to nominate, who is the one who is uh, uh, most likely to be compatible with or was going to be closest to the uh, to the uh, ideas that I, that I support, uh, which I'm not sure is terribly interesting, because, again, because I'm so far away from President Obama and so many things. Uh, the other question, I suppose, is setting aside the ideological questions, which are tremendously important. It's just that I don't have much to add on them. Uh, who are the people who are who are likely to be uh, the the best judges on the non-ideological dimensions? The I- ideology in the judge is important when it's a, a justice of the Supreme Court, uh, but also other uh, things are important too: general intelligence, uh, uh, legal craftsmanship, legal temperament, and such. There, the thing is, I- I'm not sure I know much by way of differences between them. Uh, I 
I have heard more about Judge Wood and uh, uh, Solicitor General Kagan than about Judge Garland, but my sense is all of them have very good reputations for uh, uh, for uh, um, general thoughtfulness and intelligence. Uh, uh, in the case of uh, uh, Judge Wood and Judge Garland, they have good, good reputation as judges. Uh, I think one could count it as a strike against uh, Elena Kagan that she has not been a judge, but... Uh, um, I suspect uh, that uh, she wouldn't find it very difficult to transition from her experience as an academic, as somebody working in the White House, as a dean and a solicitor general to, to a judgeship. Uh, 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 being a judge has, it requires its own skills, uh, but it's not like those skills are so difficult for somebody like that to pick up that you really need many years of seasoning uh, on a lower bench. Uh, so my sense is, at least of those names, the reputation, the reputations are very good. They would be people who probably would make very good judges, albeit judges with whom I would probably often disagree, though sometimes agree. Okay. Um, with us today, we also have Joseph Tai. Uh, he's a constitutional law professor at the University of Oklahoma and a former clerk to uh, both Justice Stevens and Justice White. Professor Tai, who do you see as being tapped as a Supreme Court nominee? Well, if, if I were a betting man, I would bet on the names that uh, David and that uh, Eugene put out for largely this, the reasons that they have just given, which are excellent reasons. Um, let me just throw out some other names that have been out there that are uh, my fantasy picks, but that would be unlikely to be Obama's fantasy picks. Um, one name that's out there is Pam Carlin. She's the, uh, the left dream. You know, she's frequently barred and sharp and funny, and she would be a, a kind of a liberal counterweight to Scalia. But she's openly gay. She's an academic that's written lots of things. And um, if Obama were to nominate her, it would be like declaring war <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, in front of the Senate. And so I don't think he'll go that course. His prior nomination of Sotomayor makes it seem that he's more willing to, um, to uh, find a nominee that, that around whom he can build some sort of consensus. Uh, let me throw out uh, a few names of people I think would be great, but um, he probably won't pick. Um, the first is Hillary Clinton. <laughs> no one has mentioned her, and she's probably pretty happy um, globetrotting right now as Secretary of State, uh, but she's extremely intelligent and accomplished, and she brings something that the current members of the bench lack, which is a, a, a lot of real-world experience and perspective. And she could, just like Carlin, take on the ascendant right wing, both intellectually and rhetorically, and she has the political skills to potentially be someone like, uh, like Chief, Justice jo uh, Chief Justice Warren, Earl Warren. Um, another name that, that might be apt to consider is Teresa Wynn Roseboro. Um, most people have never heard of her. She was a former Stevens clerk, however, so there's some appropriateness in considering her. Um, she's currently the uh, general counsel of MetLife, um, though she has worked in the um, Office of Legal Counsel in, uh, at DOJ, and uh, she's been a law partner as well. So she has a range of government and private practice experience, and she hasn't been in academia, so she hasn't you know, written anything inflammatory. Uh, but she's really smart, nice, and, and gracious personally. She wants to pay for my cat there to, to raise national identity money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and the optics would look great with her because she's African-American. And, and so just like Sotomayor, um, it would look really bad to have someone like Jeff Sessions you know, just attacking her outright in, in front of uh, the cameras. Okay. Uh, Professor Tai, um, I also wanted to ask you, given the president's big-picture projects like health care reform and TARP, right. How much do you think the potential constitutionality of these projects were figure in with the president's nomination choices? Oh, I, I 
think that they'll get a lot of play um, on the Republican side of the aisle because there's a lot of political mileage to be gained from that. I mean, I, I live here in Oklahoma, one of the reddest states in the union, and not a day goes by without you know, some local politician talking about you know, federal overreaching, and um, they're just racing to the courthouse to file lawsuits uh, against the uh, health care measures and, uh, and other measures coming from, coming from the Obama administration. And so I uh, I think you're going to hear Republican after Republican um, hammering the nominee about whether or not these measures are constitutional. Um, at the same time, you're not going to get any productive conversation. You're going to get the same song and dance from, from any nominee, well, which is basically a recitation of the law and then a refusal to opine about any issues that may come before the court, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And Professor Volek, uh what do you think about that? The problem with calling it song and dance is song and dance is often fun to watch. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, the uh, 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 there will be a lot of questions asked at the hearing. They will not be aimed at uh, uh, informing the senators, but you know that's generally understood. Uh, at trial, when a lawyer asks the witness a question, he's not trying to uh, to inform himself. Uh, he's trying to inform the jury, and but in this instance, I think the jury for the senator's questions will be the American public. There's an election coming up in November. Uh, the Republicans, I think, have a sense that they could um, gain substantial victories. Uh, they, I think, also have a sense that it's unlikely that they will defeat uh, uh, President Obama's nominee unless they're willing to filibuster, which my sense is they're not likely to be able uh, to, to, to be inclined to do, especially given their past uh, uh, criticisms of filibustering, uh, at least of the uh, Supreme Court. Uh, uh, nominees and also of lower court judges. So as a consequence, uh, uh, I think what's going to happen is they're going to try to raise questions that make the Obama administration look out of step with the American public. Uh, and they will be doing that again, not because they want to hear the answers to those questions themselves. It's because they're speaking to the public at large. Um, uh, that, uh, and I, I think that that's what the process has become. And in some respects, it's a legitimate thing for, uh, uh, for, for senators to do, especially in a situation where, as I said, it is pretty clear that it's not like their questions are going to sway other senators very much. Uh, that's what I think we're going to be seeing. Uh, depending on who the nominee is, we'll be seeing it in different ways. Uh, uh, for example, if uh, Elena Kagan is nominated, I take it there will be a lot of questions about her position on trying to exclude uh, uh, military recruiters from uh, uh, from uh, university and law school campuses. Uh, um, uh, if Judge Wood is nominated, there may be questions uh, about uh, her vote uh, to uphold the exclusion of of, uh, uh, essentially to uphold a university policy that says student groups may not get uh, uh, various um, uh, various benefits uh, uh, from the university if they discriminate based on religion and sexual orientation uh, in selecting uh, their officers, a policy that, uh, uh, that uh, I think many universities have that I think is actually constitutionally permissible. I think she cast the right vote, but it's the sort of thing that I think uh, uh, people might, uh, might point to uh, as suggestions that she is of the left which is out of step with the, uh, with, uh, with uh, American public opinion. Uh, uh, but, uh, of course, also a lot depends on whether the senators think it's going to play with the public. The thing I just mentioned about the, uni about the, the university student groups, it may be the sort of thing that's just too technical uh, for, uh, uh, to make up much of a song and dance about. Okay. Uh, David Latt, how much pushback do you think the GOP is going to give to any Obama nominees? 
I think it will play out similarly to the Sotomayor nomination. I think that there will be um, some pushback, but at the end of the day, um, as Eugene and Joe were saying, it will be a little bit of a song and dance, and I think it will be viewed as such. Uh, uh, barring some unforeseen revelation about any of the people who are at least mentioned, uh, I don't think it will be uh, that um, that exciting a process. Uh, the Republican senators, as, as Eugene was just saying, they will try to score points and try to uh, – look good on television, but at the end of the day, I don't really know how much is going to change. Um, one thing that's interesting is uh, take, uh, take Solicitor General Kagan. She's very well regarded. She had a very successful term at Harvard Law School as the dean. Her vote uh, as Solicitor General was, I think, 61 to 31. So it sort of is an indicator, and that was just for, not mean just, but that was for the position of Solicitor General, not to be an actual justice on the Supreme Court. I think that there will be a significant number of votes against the nominee, no matter who that nominee is, unless the president did go and uh, fulfill Eugene's dream of picking a conservative or libertarian Republican, and that's not going to be happening. So in some ways, it almost suggests that the president should try and be a little bit aggressive and maybe uh, reclaim uh, or earn some points with the left and uh, go for somebody like, say, Diane Wood, who is uh, I think mainstream enough to be confirmed, but would be more appealing to the left than, say, a Judge Garland, who um, is a former prosecutor and has more of a moderate-ish jurisprudence. Um, someone like Pam Carlin, um, uh, whom Joe mentioned, I think the left would be thrilled with her, but she's somebody where they're probably – that may be the tipping point. There, she may engender um, more – uh, resistance. And uh, I've, I've seen her at a number of events and panels. She's brilliant. She's hilarious. But Pam Carlin is also very outspoken. And you could see her turning into a Bork where she would just uh, you know, put her opinions out there in the uh, hearing room. Uh, and I think that the other nominees are, would probably be more circumspect. So, Dave, say the president uh, makes his announcement for the nominee next week, and it's not Alina Kagan. How shocked would you be well, I mean, if it's not Elena Kagan and it's not Wood or Garland? Yeah. Um, I would be very surprised if it's not one of those three. I could see it going to any one of those three, just as the selection of Sotomayor came down very much to how her interview with the president went. At a certain point, there is an element of chance and randomness and personality clicking and the zeitgeist to all of this. Um, but I'd be very surprised if it wasn't one of those three. Uh, I, I, I would be very, very surprised. I mean, why risk it? The president has so many other balls in the air. Um, does he really want to... Uh, to take a chance on a nominee who would engender a lot of resistance. Kennedy uh, registered a little bit of a dissent. I think we're talking about these three chiefly because everybody's been talking about those three. This conventional wisdom has emerged, and it, of course, the administration has played a role in it. I mean, they, they've talked to them, uh, uh, and uh, these are obviously natural candidates in many ways. But there's a large pool of other candidates who, if he, he selects, would say, oh, wow, okay, well, yeah, he'd be pretty good. But remember uh, Harriet Myers. Yeah, so Harriet, outside the box can be Harriet Myers would be very much a surprise. I think a Hillary Clinton to me would also be very much a surprise because she's a very polarizing influence, not the sort of person who I think President Obama would want to stress uh, uh, not long before uh, the, the election. And notwithstanding what Professor Tai said, I'm, I'm skeptical that she would be a particularly effective, uh, effective uh, um, uh, coalition builder on the court because uh, she is such a polarizing influence in many ways. 
So there are some people who would very much surprise me, but there's a large pool of other people, especially other circuit judges, who, if if the uh, they're nominated, would say, well, we didn't see that one coming, but it's, but. Seems like a perfectly sensible person. Sounds like uh, uh, Obama had a long or short list, or was willing to dip down into his long list. I would love a surprise. <laughs> I would love a surprise too, and I agree with um, with Eugene that there's a, a, a large pool of people who would be highly qualified and who um, may do well at confirmation hearings. But I agree with David. It'll probably uh, boil down to uh, Kagan or um, uh, or the. Um, the other names that we've thrown out would as, as um, the most likely candidates. And I think that's largely because Obama is known for many things, but he's not known for surprising us, at least in, in the political realm. He tends to be more conservative in particular about his uh, judicial nominees. I think the um, furthest out he's gone is with um, Goodman Liu, um, you know, uh, no, who's no flaming um, liberal like, uh, like Pam Carlin, and yet he's being hammered. Uh, and I, I think that was a trial balloon for Obama. <laughs> uh, so I think he'll be more likely to go with um, with either Wood or with um, Kagan as the safest bet. And I think Kagan is probably uh, a better pick for him than Wood um, simply because uh, she's 10 years younger. And so if he's thinking of, of leaving a more lasting legacy on the court, he would go with the younger person, all things being equal. Uh, so can, can I hijack the discussion a little bit? Let me ask mm-hmm. you the, uh, the, uh, the question of religion. Uh, or perhaps oh. more religious affiliation. Um, so uh, there are right now in the court uh, 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 two Jews, six Catholics, and again, I don't know how devout all of them are, and I'm pretty sure that uh, Justice Breyer, at least to my knowledge, is not a terribly uh, devout Jew, uh, uh, but, uh, uh, but still, they're identified that way. Stevens was, I believe, the last of the, of the Protestants, um, and Kagan is also Jewish. Uh, now, I should say, I have nothing against Jews. Some of my best friends are Jews. My family is Jewish. I'm Jewish. Uh, so uh, there's nothing wrong, I think. In fact, it would be a wonderful world in which nobody cared about such things. And in America these days, we're actually pretty close to a time when people don't say, oh, there are too many Jews there. At the same time, especially with uh, the talk from the Democratic Party on the importance of institutions that look like America, the importance of placing a Hispanic woman on the court and such, what do you think would be kind of odd, uh, uh, maybe hard for the Republicans to complain about, but still something that's going to look bad to many voters in that Protestants, who I believe are still uh, probably a, uh, uh, not quite a bare majority, but a uh, but, uh, little over a majority of the public at large, would have zero seats on the U.S. Supreme Court? Surprising, but I could, uh, I could certainly see it. It's certainly looking um, quite that way um, in terms of at least some of the names that are that are uh, that are being floated, and I don't know necessarily that religion has uh, dis- has quite the same centrality to American public life that it did, heck, even ten years ago, uh, or even when the, when the second President Bush was running and was citing his um, his uh, you know born again Christianity. I don't know if it quite has the same um, has the same pull, and it's and it's a little bit of a delicate issue to mention if you were to try and campaign against somebody on that ground. Yeah, but these days, delicate issues to mention are easier to mention than ever. I do agree that a senator might have a hard time saying that on the Senate floor, although if he wanted to, what he would do is he would bring up all of President Obama's uh, I shouldn't say all of President Obama's, I don't know how much he has specifically talked about, but all of the Democrats talk about institutions that look like America. It's important to have institutions that look like America. Uh, But the senator doesn't have to do this. It could just be something that's brought up uh, uh, on radio, in the internet, and such, and it would have to be in a, 
in a uh, sensitive way. Uh, it, it could, uh, but uh, I think it could be uh, again by using a lot of the Democrats' arguments about the importance of uh, uh, ethnic and uh, um, uh, diversity-based uh, uh, balancing on, on various institutions. Now, as I said, I am generally very much against diversity-based balancing in almost all places, but even I feel that on the a place like the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, uh, historically this has been a big part of what uh, uh, what has been done. And I think uh, that Protestants could have a pretty decent claim that, look, after you've uh, you've placed somebody on the court stressing in part that she's Hispanic, uh, it seems odd that the majority religious group in the country would have zero out of the nine seats. I don't think that would be that difficult for them to make. It would have to be done sensitively, but I think it could be. Again, I think in a perfect world this argument shouldn't uh, uh, shouldn't be made. I think people shouldn't care about that. But the fact is that they do care, and in part they care in ways that the Democratic Party has supported. Professor Ty, what do you think about the religious question? <laughs> well, I, I agree with, with Eugene that um, the uh, religious diversity on the, on the court is something that's important to consider, but I just don't think it's on the public radar screen or it has, um, as David said, the same kind of political pull as some of the other um, issues that typically play out during confirmation hearings. I, I think the public would be very surprised to learn what we know, which is that the court is predominantly Catholic. And I think the Republicans, too, would have a harder time bringing up this issue because um, during the last Republican presidency, they picked two Catholics. Uh, so they had their opportunity to, uh, to go for Protestants, but they chose not to. Um, so I just don't know how um, the Republicans could take advantage of this opportunity in a way that's simple enough and not insensitive. Dave, I have a question for you. Stevens, he sort of announced his retirement in March in Jeffrey Tubin's New Yorker. Then he sort of announced it again earlier this week in the New York Times by Adam Litvak. What's up with that? Was this a victory lap? As some people said, he was a needy justice. What, <laughs> what, 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 what was that about? Well, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to speculate what was uh, was going through his mind, but uh, but I was surprised at um, his lengthy swan song, and you know he also gave an interview to the Washington Post that that same weekend, and it had also circulated. It had also surfaced much earlier, a few months back, when uh, it was pointed out that he had hired just one clerk instead of the usual four, and active justices are entitled to four, and retired justices are entitled to one. Uh, so people already were speculating about that. In the New Yorker piece, he pointed out that he had contacted former clerks of his who would happily serve. He decided he wanted to extend for a term. But, uh, he was very coy about this. Yeah, he was very coy. That's true. Um, one thing I – one guess I would have is that I think he wanted to, well, first give the administration uh, and the public some lead time so people can already start getting this dialogue going, although really all that – results in is more dogs chasing their own tails for a longer period of time. Um, but I think perhaps he wanted to give the administration and the public uh, a little bit of, uh, of lead time. And uh, I'm not, I'm, but other than that, I'm not really sure uh, what, what prompted him to, to be so open about it. The justices historically have not been very public about uh, such matters, but lately they've been making more public appearances, giving more interviews. Uh, so it may just be part of a growing trend of a little more transparency at the court. It's interesting how this announcement was rolled out. I believe that it was the Supreme Court's public information office that released a statement along with the text of uh, Justice Stevens's letter to the president. It was not by any individual reporter or news organization coming up with a scoop. It was orchestrated in a, uh, and released in a fairly official manner uh, this morning, the news of, of his retirement. Yeah, official right. and impersonal. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think that suit at Stevens, he, he typically spends uh, the time between uh, court sittings in Florida, and I imagine he's down there enjoying a game of golf or, or swimming in the ocean away from you know, cameras and, and the press. <laughs> well, Joe, you clerked for him. What is your thought on why he decided to um, have this yeah, long uh, tease? Well, I, I think um, first he wanted to um, give a heads up to the administration. I think you're absolutely right. You know, he's a master bridge player, and I think hiring one law clerk was a pretty good signal. He never spoke. What kind of convention? Person. What kind of convention is that? We know Trump. And law clerk means on the next truck you're going to play, you're going to retire <laughs> from the game. That's it. Yeah, you know, the, the second reason I thought of was uh, probably because I think he, he – it's no secret that he thinks that the court has been reckless and unwise in, in the direction it's, it's been taking lately. Um, and I think he also – he wanted to sound the alarm bells um, before he left. And so I think he's been more open with, um, with, the, with meeting with the press and you know, kind of framing not only his legacy but also um, framing the debates about the future of the court. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much all for your time. I really appreciate it. This has been wonderful. Does anyone have anything they'd like to add? Uh, no, thanks so much for having us, Stephanie.